Well, you have your Bibles tonight, this morning, turn with me to Matthew, the 18th chapter, or 8th chapter, I'm sorry. Matthew, the 8th chapter, let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. I'm going to begin reading in the 5th verse, and uh, I'm going to read through the 13th verse, or the 12th verse. Matthew 8, beginning in verse 5. Says, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of a palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, <clears throat> under authority having soldiers under, under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, even not in Israel. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into uh, outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you for the blessings of it. I pray, Lord, that you'll give me the strength I need to stand up here and preach this message, Lord. It's a message that I feel that we need today, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Having Great Faith. Uh, I know all of us want great faith. There's, there's not anybody in this building today that don't want great faith. I want great faith, you know, but it seems like every time you exercise your faith, there's something else comes along that, that will take some out of you each and every day. And, um, and I want to say this before I get started today. This, this centurion was a Roman, and that makes this a whole different situation here concerning great faith. Now, all men have not faith. Some have no faith at all. Jesus had rebuked the sea and stopped the storm, and he said to, to his disciples, Why are ye yet so fearful? How, how, how is it, or... How is it that ye have no faith? Mark 4 and verse 40. Now, you know, we worry, sometimes we worry ourselves to death that we don't exercise enough faith. Well, here was a sense where these disciples, even disciples of Jesus, were rebuked because of their lack of faith. 
I mean, the Lord, Lord knew that they belonged to him. He knew that they were his. But he rebuked them because of the lack of faith. He goes on to say, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Matthew 6 and verse 30. Many times, you know, we, we, we worry about exercising faith, but many times we, we exercise little faith. And a lot of things we do and a lot of things we say. Does God not say that this, does God not say this same thing to us almost every day? Does he not find us fearful of things and wondering what will come next? Absolutely. You know, I, I guess this whole world is living in a lot of fear right now. Fear of this, uh, this thing that's going around and, you know, and, it, and it, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what you are. It doesn't care what you're doing. You know, when if, if, if God permits it to get, to, to get on you, then it's going to get on you. There's no, no way you can stop it. You know, uh, I know Rhonda and I tried our best. We stayed, we stayed in. I tried to, of course, I had to go out quite a bit, but, uh, Rhonda stayed in. And, uh, when she did go out, she wore a mask and all this, but she still got it. And as a result of her getting it, then most of them are in agreement that the doctor's in agreement. I probably have had it too. I haven't been tested for it, but uh, I've, I've had, a, I lost my smell, but praise God, I got my smell back. And uh, so um, I guess I'm gradually getting over it. I still got this cough and some of these things, but uh, we, we live in fear every day. There's always something happening to us. You can't help it, you know. When, uh, when sickness comes up on you, you can't help it, and sometimes... The Lord has to rebuke us every day because of the lack of faith that we have. All of us display the lack of faith many times in our life. Let's remember those who display faith are rich in the Lord. And here's a statement. I don't know if anybody else has made this statement or not. You know, there's a lot of statements made on Facebook that I know that they didn't come up with them. They read them somewhere. But I've, I've got this down right here. Great faith will buy anything from God. Great faith will buy anything from God. You don't need money. You, 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 don't, you don't need anything. You don't need anything uh, required that uh, any, any, kind, any, any kind of anything to pay for it. But great faith will buy anything from God. Without great faith, you know, you won't be able to get... You won't get, be able to get close to God. So great faith will buy anything from God. Now I'm, we're going to look at three or four things here that I want to look at concerning this. Look, look why this man in our text was ordinary. He was just an ordinary person. You know, we consent, sometimes we consider ourselves just ordinary people. Well, this was really an ordinary person. This person here was not supposed to believe in 
the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Roman centurion. And as a result of it, the, the Romans, they hated the Christians. They, they, they despised them. And those of the Sanhedrin court despised Christians. That's where the Apostle Paul came from as, as Saul of Tarsus. He, he, came, from, he came from being uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus to being a preacher to the Jews. And so we, we, we learn a lot about uh, him uh, considering that. But this man here was a Roman centurion. He was one that, that, that helped to, uh, uh, to take Jesus and, 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 and kill him. But, he, he, but unknowns to a lot of the Jews and unknowns to probably a lot of us would be this man here, there's no way this man could be a Christian. That's what makes him so ordinary because he was not one that should be. He was a Roman centurion. He was not a Jew who should always display faith just as we are Christians who should always display faith. We should always display faith because we, we claim to be the children of God. But this 13th verse, I, I added this, I mean the 12th verse, I added the 12th verse to our text today. I wasn't going to read it, but I added it this morning. The 12th verse says, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that are, that's people who say they're of the kingdom, but they're not really. That's people who say they're saved, but they're not really. That Those are the hypocrites. And that's what he's referring to here. He's, wrote, he's referring to that hypocritical uh, area where being, uh, uh, being the, the Pharisees, and, and he's mentioned here to them that, uh, yeah, they claim to be Christians, they claim to be saved. They claim to be a member of the kingdom of God. They claim to be born again, but they're not. They're not. That's, what's, that's what we're going to find out someday. You're going to find, we're going to find out someday that a lot of people who profess to be saved aren't. And, and we're going to find that out someday. We're going to find that out someday, and, and that's when we stand before the, the great white throne of judgment when we're not even supposed to be there. We're not even supposed to be in that judgment, but we're going to be. Some people are going to be. I hope and pray there's none of us, but some people are going to be because they're not really saved. You know, it's a, I see on Facebook all the time, you know, and, and all people, people that will will say, well, I'm a Christian, but yet in the next statement they make, they'll cuss. Next statement they'll make, they'll say something uh, uh, wrong, and they'll apologize for it. That's what, what gets me is they apologize for, for, for being not what they should be at, at a certain time. You know, we're, if we're true Christians, we're Christians all the time. We're Christians every morning, every night, every day. We're Christians every day. And, and as a result of that, then we must exercise great faith. But this man here was, was, was just an ordinary man. The Roman centurion had studied the scriptures 
we can tell that. We know that he has studied the scriptures. And, and, and that's another thing is <clears throat> sometimes people that we think that aren't saved are the people that saved. I've told this story before that uh, I was at the, at the Huddle House many years ago. And this guy come right in on a big Harley, and he had tattoos all over his arms. He had on a, a, a vest, leather vest. He had tattoos all over his arms. He had, and he was uh, had hair hanging down his back. And I thought when he walked in the door, I said, "Boy, there's one right there." I said, "There's one right there." He went. He sat down up at the up at the uh, 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 counter on a stool. So I just felt in my mind, my heart, I know, I know God was in it. I felt in my heart that I was going to get up there and sit down beside him. I was going to witness to him. And I went up there and sat down beside him and doggone if he wasn't witnessing to the guy next to him. Telling him about Jesus Christ. And I said, boy, I, I, I'm wrong about him. He was telling the man next to him over there. He, one man's on one side, and I was on this side of him. We were sitting there at the counter, and he was telling this man over here what Christ had done for him, how the Lord had saved him. And But you wouldn't tell it from the outside. That's what he's referring to here. This, third, this 12th verse is an important verse because he's talking about people who claim to be saved, people who try to act like they're saved, but they're critical. Uh, uh, they're, I mean, they're, they're hypocrites and, and, and thus. And, and also they're critical of, of those who are. How could his faith be so strong if he had not believed Jesus to be the Savior? It was great, great Apostle Paul who said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. That's where a lot of us fail, fall down. We, we pick and choose who we believe to be saved and who we believe not. And I do believe, I really believe this with all of my heart, that there are people, there are people that will go around all the time and they'll just judge everybody's being saved. If a person mentions Christian, boom, they're saved, as far as most people are concerned. That's where you, that's where you got to be careful. You know, you got to be careful to what to people's lives. People's lives matters a lot. Jim just lost his mother. Jim, I'm sorry about that. But I tell you, she was a good woman. She was a good. She was always good to me. She was a good person, and just like Karen Deborah's mother, you know, uh, I went to her funeral. I never heard it mentioned one time in her funeral that she entertained preachers. If I'd been preaching her funeral, that'd been one of the first things I'd have said. She entertains preachers, and she did. She did. I ate so many meals at her table that I thought that was my table. And Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews, he says, don't forget 
Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, why, whereby some have entertained angels unawares. Some of the worst-looking people, some of the worst-acting people may be somebody that is sent from the Lord. Sent from the Lord to do what? To show us off. Just like that man right there that came in the huddle house that day. I knew when I left there that day he was sent from the Lord there because I judged him just as soon as he walked in the door. Because I hung around those kind of people. Those were the people those were the people that I hung around when I was a teenager. And I misjudged him because of my prior life that I lived. I knew there wasn't none, none of that bunch I run around with. I knew none of them were Christians. So I just judged him as not being a child of God. But what's the difference in judging everybody being a child of God when some people aren't? You know, great, great faith, great faith will cause you not to judge people. Great faith will cause you to to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope you have. Great faith. This man would have been an alien to great faith, but he wasn't, this centurion. He would have been judged as an alien of great, uh, from great faith, but he had it. Jesus said, I have not seen any greater faith nowhere, not even of the Jews. I have not seen any greater faith, not even of the Jews. Praise God, God's given me the strength to preach this message. Not even of the Jews. He said, I've never seen any greater faith than this man displayed. Those centurion soldiers, they did exactly what they were told to do. That's why he said up there, he said, I'm a man of authority. He said, I'm under authority of, of another. He said, I'm a man of authority. He said, if I tell people to do something, they do it. If I tell them don't do something, they don't do it. He says, they listen to me. But he said, I'm, I know what he's saying in his heart. But he said, I am confronted with one that I have no authority over. He has all the authority over me. Just remember, great faith is often seen in great difficulties. Saying something about great faith on Facebook is not always the best of circumstances. Any person can say they have faith. If one's faith is to grow, if one's, if one's faith is to grow, it must be exercised frequently in great difficulties. Great faith will come to the top when it's needed. It will. I know, I, I know, I've seen that. I tell you, when 
When I went in the bathroom and Rhonda was passed out on the floor, I thought about the time that I passed out. And they carried me to the hospital. And that's when great faith set in. It really did. Kara called me, and the first thing I said to Kara, I said, Kara, it's wonderful to see the grace of God in your life. It is. And Rhonda has said the same thing. Rhonda said, I've never feared for my life. Because she said, I knew the Lord would take care of me, and that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And help me to be the same way. Help me to be just like that. Why Why this man's faith was great? He was not necessarily speaking for himself. But who did he speak for? He spoke for the lowly slave who was a slave in his own household. I want to tell you, folks, how many times have we shunned the poor and the and the out and the and the outbroken, and to take up with people who aren't? This man believed that Christ's compassion would reach as far down as the poor and ignorant. He believed that. That's great faith. He, he really believed in his heart that God could heal his lowly servant. Christ didn't go to him. He went to Christ. Christ had already been to him somewhere down the line. But he went to Jesus. The Pharisee said, speaking to Christ, just, just the opposite of what this man would have done. The Pharisee said, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? They criticized Christ for eating with the lowly and the down, downtrodden. Little faith never carries little troubles to God. It takes great troubles to bring man to God in prayer. And for help. Let's don't forget, little troubles can be made big troubles. Look at this pandemic we're going through right now. You know, so I heard somebody say just a while ago before church, said they just had a little in their throat. There's a lot of people that probably started like that, and they end up out there in the cemetery. We can't pass up little things. Great faith will not pass up little things. It takes great troubles to bring man to God in prayer. 
Here's what Solomon said about uh, warnings that Solomon gives. Some people don't know, well, what, what does that mean? Here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, beware of the little foxes. You know what Solomon's referring to there? Beware of the little things that will take you away. It won't take great things to take you away. Little things will take you away. Little things will cause you to do big things. Somebody says, it's okay for me to smoke weed. Then it's okay for me to smoke marijuana. I mean, uh, uh, some hard drug. It's okay for me to drink. It's okay for me to do all of this. It, this stuff won't bother me. Well, that all leads to big stuff. That's what Solomon was warning. Solomon said, beware of the little foxes. Little foxes will certainly destroy the vineyard of faith. He'll destroy it. This man's great faith was demonstrated when he went to the Lord concerning his servant. Here's what he told Jesus. And saying, Lord, my servant, lying at home, sick of palsy, grievously tormented. Verse 6. Most likely this servant was afflicted in body and soul. He not only needed to be healed, but he needed to be saved also. This man knew that. This man knew that. He knew that about his servant. He knew he wasn't, he wasn't a, man, a person of God. But he, he knew he was. And regardless of, can you imagine, can you imagine the, the agony that was put up on him because he did that very thing? by his centurion friends. Why would you go to this man? Why, this man, this man is a sinner. He's dying there. He's dying up there on Calvary's tree. Why would you go to him when we were the ones that put him up there? We were the ones that cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Why would you go to him? He went to him because he had great faith. He had great faith. This centurion knew that if Christ saved himself, he could save and heal his servant also. Oh, let's don't forget that. If, if the Lord can save us, he can save others. Why, don't, why do we just let it go? Why do we just say, well, everybody's saved and we don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to ask anybody whether they're saved or not, just because they go to church. Why do, should I get up here and preach just because all of you go to church? I get up here and preach that there's no one in here that needs the Lord Jesus Christ? Not necessarily. I saw a church one time. They held a revival in that church. Seventy-five members of that church quote, unquote, got saved during that revival. That happened in Cynthiana, Kentucky. It wasn't in the church I was pastoring, but it was a Southern Baptist church over there across from where I was pastoring. 
75 members was saved during that meeting. Then I heard of another church down in southern Kentucky that there was over a hundred and some members of that church saved during a revival. I also heard that the First Baptist Church in Savannah back in uh, many, many years ago, back in there, that they had a preacher in there that there was over half of the church was saved. All because that preacher said one thing. When he walked in the door, he never said a word. He just looked at them. Just looked at that great congregation. Must have been seven, eight hundred, nine hundred people there. And they were just looking at him. You could, you could hear a pin drop, they said. This story is told by some old folks, used to be told by some old folks in Savannah. It was told to me by an old man in Savannah. He just looked at them. He stood there and he looked at them. He said, what's wrong with you people? Have you never seen a man of God? He said, I'm one of God's men. And he said, I come here to preach to you folks and tell you folks the truth. And over half of that church was saved that one week that he was there. These old folks in Savannah told that story many, many times. Our faith is great. If we believe the power of Christ is sufficient for all emergencies of the true believer. Why this man's faith was great, he knew that Christ could just speak his servant well. You know why he said that? He said, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak a word only. There's great faith. There's great faith. That's great faith. When you feel you're so unworthy. I've heard some say in here that I, I'm not worthy. I, I'm not worthy to be what I am. Well, I'm not either. I've never been worthy of it. I've never seen myself as worthy of it. And I pray that you'll understand that. You know, you can't get out there amongst your family and your friends and act like they do and have great faith. You can't do it. Listen, folks, great faith asks for no signs, no amens, amens, but only the promise made by his Lord. And lastly this morning, why this man's faith was great. Why this man's faith was great. The Lord said so. He said, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. The Lord said he had great faith. Boy, oh, I pray. I pray to God someday that the Lord will say to me, well, you had great faith as you lived. But he's not going to because I haven't exercised great faith all my life. 
You know, I, I, I came up with this many, many years ago. It doesn't take much faith to live, but it takes a lot of faith to die. It takes a lot of faith to die. I sat with a lady. I say a lady. She's the same age I was. I was in my low. I was in my early twenties, right after I started preaching. She was the. She took care of the bookstore at Ashton Avenue Baptist Church, and I got to know her. And she was a sweet lady. And and she came up with cancer. And when, when she got, she was on her dying bed, she asked that I would come to see her. And when I got there, she was laying in, her fever was so high that they had her in a tub of ice. All you could see was her neck. They had her in a tub of ice to try to keep her fever down. It was so high. And she was laying there in that tub of ice. She's about 22, 23 years old. She's laying there in that tub of ice. And she looked up and she said, there's Brother Walker. She said, look at that. There's Sister So-and-So. Brother Walker, I haven't seen you for a long time. Brother Walker had already died. He died many years before that. That was her pastor. As she grew up, like some of you, has grown up under this pastor. She grew up under him. And she started talking. She started talking about who she saw. My mom, my mom, before she passed away, she said, I see a white horse. And said, his name is Dottie. That was my sister's name. I said, I see a white horse. My dad, before he passed away, my dad said, I see that light. I see that light. Let me just get there. Let me just get to that light. And she said, I'll, and he said, I'll be all right. Now, I don't know if they had great faith or not, but to me, that is faith to die. Oh, Lord, help us. We don't have to tell people we have great faith. Or let me say this. We don't have to tell people we have great belief and great faith. God knows our hearts. We don't have to go around saying it all the time. You don't have to go around saying, I have faith. God knows it. He knows whether you have faith or not. You don't have to, you don't have to tell other people you've got faith. God knows it. God knows who has faith and who doesn't. That's, that's what makes verse 12 so, so repugnant for today. It's because he says there's a lot of people who claim they have faith, but they don't really. They don't really. God knows our hearts, and he knows how great our faith is. Just remember, it was said, without faith. It is impossible to please him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Why God's blessings. May, I'm sorry. May God's blessings come your way 
even today. I pray they will. And I pray that if you're here and lost, we're going to sing a song today. I'm going to come down front. I'm going to, if I have to struggle, I'm going to come down front. And let's all stand, if you would. And Brother Reggie and Sister Carmen, if you'll come, we're going to sing a song.